As we step onto the scene of Scripture this morning, we join King Asa as he and his men are making their way back to Jerusalem from Gerar. They're exhausted from the chase and the battle with the Ethiopians. They're emotional as sweat is, is pouring down their face, being mixed with the tears that are being shed for the family and friends that they have lost in the battle. They're encouraged because of the great victory that God has just given them. They're excited to get home and share the good news and the great spoil with their family and friends that they had just taken. You see, for ten years, they had experienced great peace, great prosperity. But now, what, uh, now that they had gotten a taste of victory, the truth is they stood on the brink of great disaster. You see, with, with any great victory comes great risks. There's the risk of allowing pride to swell up in our heart. There's the risk of, of robbing God of the glory that rightfully belongs to Him and belongs to Him alone. There's the risk of becoming content with the current state, losing the desire to, to claim more of what God has promised and missing out on the wonderful plans and the abundant blessings that God still has in store. You see, when we consider the condition of the nation of Israel at this point, we find that because of their weak spiritual foundation, they were vulnerable to the attacks of the adversary. An adversary who always stands ready to attack and to exploit any area of weakness that he can find in their lives and in yours and mine as well. They become a people of weak standards. As such, they were easily persuaded to follow their heart instead of pursuing a Christ-like life with passion. Because they lacked self-control, anger, bitterness, and jealousy had the ability to swell up quickly and overtake them, causing them to burst out and to treat others in a way that is not pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Because they were weak and steadfastness. The reality is that they would quickly forget the wonderful works of God and forsake the things of God altogether. You see, the greatest danger that King Asa and Judah faced was really the same danger that you and I face today. It's the danger of starting strong, but finishing weak. Knowing the tendency of the sinful heart of man, God immediately began to go to work and He prepared a message. It was a message of warning, a message of encouragement, a message of instruction that was to be sent to King Asa and to the people of Judah. And we find that He sent it through His servant, Azariah. We pick up our reading this morning in Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse number 2. As Azariah is giving God's message to Asa, saying, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with ye, with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, 
he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. In those times there was no peace uh, to, uh, to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. Nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. That whosoever should not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting, with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maka, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen, because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it, the brook Kidron. The high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. If you're in the habit of marking things in the Word of God, I want to draw your attention back to verse number 7, where the Bible says this, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. Be ye strong, therefore. And let not your hands be weak. Our thought this morning is simply this. Strong hands for an important task. Strong hands for an important task. Let me begin this morning by saying this. That today, God is longing and seeking to accomplish a mighty work. A work that only He can do. And He has chosen today in this hour to take and work through you and I so that this world can see just how good and just how gracious God really is. You study through the Bible and you begin to find that God is seeking. His eyes are roaming the earth and He's looking for someone who is willing, who is capable, who is prepared to allow God to fill them and use them in the way that only He can. Notice with me, the initial challenge to King Asa is to simply 
seek the Lord. Did you see it in verse number 2? The Bible says this, And he went out to meet Asa, uh, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Let me say this. You will not experience the presence and power of God in your life if you are not personally taking time to spend with Him. God desires fellowship and communion with you and I, His people. And God shows Himself to those who spend time seeking and staying with him. It was Alan Shepard as he was asked if he saw God when he went into space and he said this, if we seek Him, He's available. And let me say that, that is so true. If you and I will get on our knees before God, get in His Word, He will be found of a heart that is truly searching for His presence to be seen in their life. Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 29 says this, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If Thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Jeremiah and chapter 29 and verse number 13 says this, And ye shall seek Me and find Me when ye shall search for Me with all your heart. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. Asa is being told by Azariah that what he did in the battle when he got to the point where he could no longer go forward, where he didn't know if he was going to win the battle or not, and he cried out to God and said, oh God, you are quite capable of giving us the victory. May I say, God is quite capable of giving you the victory in whatever it is you're facing in your life. But he's looking for a heart that is ready to seek after him. He's looking for somebody who will spend time with Him. Somebody who will take Him at His word and raise their hand and say, Hey God, I'll take you up old man. I'll spend time with you. I'll enter into the prayer closet. I'll get into your word. God, you can use me. I'll pursue you with my entire being. May I say this? God isn't just looking for somebody who will take and have a seeking heart. It starts there, but it doesn't stop there. It starts with a seeking heart, but He is looking also for a serving hand. You see, what God does on the inside of your heart ought to bubble up and bubble over and be seen on the outside of your life. There ought to be a, a witness, a testimony in how you live your life, how you speak, how you walk, how you live, your attitude, your mannerisms, how you carry yourself should be a testimony to the work of God in your life. Yes, He's searching for a seeking heart, but He also wants a serving hand. You see, God, 
He's not trying to hide Himself from the seeking heart. He wants you to spend time with Him. But He also does not withhold His help from the heart of somebody who is submissive, humble, and obedient to the will of God in their life. You see, when we spend sincere, unhindered, and unhurried time in the presence of God, it brings about the power of God in our life so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has designed for our life. You want to be a better mom? You want to be a better dad to your children? Hey, spend time with Jesus. Let God use you. You want to be a better Sunday school teacher? Hey, spend time with Jesus. And let your hands be used for His work. You'll be a better employee on the job. I'm telling you, the answer is simple. Spend time with Jesus and make yourself available for God to then work through and use. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 9 says this, Every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God is simply looking for somebody who He can take His grace and dig into the warehouses of His mercy and grace and pour into their life knowing that they in turn will let that same grace and mercy flow through them into the lives of others. You see, as a Christian, God hasn't just enabled you and I to spend time in the presence of God, but He has equipped us to make a difference for Him. Listen, today, you can make a difference in your marriage. You can make a difference in your home. You can make a difference in the lives of your children. You can make a difference in the church, a difference in the community, a difference on the job side. The Bible says in Jude, verse 20, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You see, the real question this morning is this. It's not so much are you seeking God, although that's a very important question to ask. Because if you're not seeking Him, you can't begin to go to this next statement. The question this morning is simply this. Are you willing to expend the effort and energy that God asks a surrendered heart to do in His perfect will? You see, here's the thing. I could ask the question this morning and say, who really wants to spend time in the presence of Jesus Christ? And I have no doubt in my mind that every hand would go up. But I believe the answer would be quite different if we ask the question like this, are you willing to do what God asks for you to do when you spend time in His presence? And immediately, our heart and mind is still full of, I will, if, I, I will, but all of a sudden we bring our excuses to the table and say, okay, God, I'm willing to spend time with you, but I'm not so willing to serve you with my life. That's where the nation of Judah is at this point. They were to the point where, yeah, they, they sought God, they fought the battle, but God knew, God knew they would only last for a short period of time. Somebody's made this statement. 
They said if the service of God is worth anything, then it's worth everything. That's powerful. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying God wants your all. God wants your all on the altar. God wants your, your energy. He wants your ability. He wants your talent. He wants your time. He wants you to take and say, Oh God, everything I am, it's all yours. Use me. I'll not hold back. Somebody else said this, God deserves to be served with all the energy of which we are capable. That's exactly what you find in verse number 7. The Bible says, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Listen, if I could put it simply this morning, God today is looking for some of His children to step up. For some of His children to get to the point where, you know what, the sideline isn't good enough anymore. I have the, the privilege this year of, of, of coaching basketball for some second and third grade boys. To be honest with you, I was quite concerned when, when I first signed my name and said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, you say, why? Because I'm around second and third grade kids and sometimes they don't listen too well, <laughs> you know. I'm trying to get them on the basketball court and, and my red-headed, competitive, low patience personality. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that, okay? I was a little concerned. But you know what? We stepped on the ball court yesterday and we didn't win. We, we lost by two to see their passion. They're constantly, Coach, can I go in? Coach, I want to go in. Coach, I want to go. I want to be coach. Coach, can I go in? Can I? You say, well, that's just, that's just their, their childlike nature. No, no. I'm saying that's what God wants for you and I, His children. God, let me do it. God, right, God, God, hey, my turn, God, my turn, right? Use me. God, no, no, use me. God, I wanted you to help. Let me help you. When's the last time you got that excited about serving God? You come to church, say, oh, God bless me if you can. Speak to my heart if you can get through my pooch, poo pooch lip and, 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 and stubborn heart. Listen, God is looking for a heart that is soft and ready and saying this, God, I, I'm here. And I want you to use me. A heart that is prepared, that is strengthened their hands for the work. And says, God, I am right here. Notice verse 8. The Bible says, And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. He said, he said, all right. God, you want me to do this? I'm there. I'll tear him down, God. I'll get him out of the land. That's what you want me to do. I'll do it. And he's encouraged in this. May I say today, today our homes, today our churches, today our culture, our community is in need of somebody, multiple somebodies, who will step up spiritually, who will strengthen their hands, and who will serve the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. Can you imagine what God could do with the Joy Baptist Church if He had it full of those kinds of people? I said, Preacher, what, is, what does that mean? What does it entail? Let me share with you a few things this morning. Notice back in Second Chronicles chapter 14. 
Second Chronicles chapter 14 and verse number 1, the Bible says, So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. Also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places, the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. What does it mean to have strong strong hands for an important task? Number one, it means to strengthen our hands to bow. To bow. It's a preacher way that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make perfect sense. God is not looking for you to strengthen your hands so you can try to take the glory for something you think you did. You see, that's the natural tendency of the heart. A lot of times we don't get to the place where we say, hey, look what God did. It's, well, look what I came about. Look what I found. Look what I got. Look what I stepped into. Look, 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 look how I got my family here. Oh, no, 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 no. God may desire to use you, but the, the glory is all His. So preacher, what are you talking about? I'm saying, yes, there's the idea here of strengthening our hands for the work, but we must be careful not to allow pride and those things to puff up in our hearts. You see, King Asa determined in his heart personally he was not going to go down the same path as his father and his grandfather. And the Bible says in chapter 14 that he did that which was good and right in the sight of God. You know what he did? He determined in his heart that he was going to be and do right. That's what we need today. Individuals who will strengthen their hand but say, you know what? I'm not going to give my flesh control. Same thing Daniel said in Daniel 1 verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Now I say because he purposed in his heart, the Bible goes on to say that he was found to be ten times better. What the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let me say this. You can't make a difference in the lives of others until a difference has first been made in your life. If we're not careful, here's what we do. We sit back and point out the faults in everybody else's life. We'll look at what so-and-so said. We'll look at what so-and-so did the whole time. We've got some major problems in our own life. God's not going to use us to make a difference until we get those things right first. The idea of bowing ourselves and, and, and molding ourselves into the will of God for our lives. We find that strength in our hand has to do with bowing ourselves to the will of God and the Word of God for our lives. But notice in verse number 6 of chapter 14. The Bible says, And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. 
Because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him. And He had given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. We talk about the idea of strengthening our hands. We understand, first of all, there's a, a bowing that must take place in our own heart and mind to the will and Word of God. But secondly, it's also going to require us to build. There are some things in your life that need to be built. You can study through the Scriptures. And God had made a command of His people and used His people to build certain things in their life. It was in Deuteronomy in chapter 27 that the nation of Israel was commanded to build an altar unto the Lord. It was in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus tells us that it was the wise man that built his house upon a rock. And we know it's Jesus Christ Himself who is that rock upon which we should build our homes and our lives. It was in Nehemiah chapter number 2 that we find that Nehemiah was sent back to Jerusalem and used by God to rebuild the wall. And it was the nation of Israel as Nehemiah shared and cast out that vision that rose and said, let us rise up and build. And the Bible tells us that they strengthened their hands for this good work. Richard, what are you saying? I'm saying there's some things in your home that you need to build. There's some walls in your home that need to be built. Richard, what are you saying? I'm saying that you're going to say, hey, we'll do, we'll do this. We'll allow this. But we're not going beyond this. That's it. All this area is off limits. We've given this to God. And we're going to build a wall. We're not going to let these items in. Now I say, the devil is having a heyday pumping trash and filth in the hearts and minds of us and our children, and we willingly let it happen. Preacher, what I'm saying we need to build some walls. But he didn't just build walls. You see what else it says? It says he built some towers. It says he set some towers. Preacher, what's the towers for? Well, the wall is for the major defense. It's for the ma- but the tower is so there could be somebody on the uh, the ridge of the wall that can look out over the horizon and see where the trouble's coming, so they can take and reinforce uh, where the battle's getting ready to take place. Hey, mom and dad, that's you. Husband, as the head spiritually of your home, that's you. Now, listen. I understand we live in a day and. And it's statistically, I'm telling you, it's true, where the wife and the mother is typically the strongest spiritually in the home. I mean, I'll just come out and say it bluntly. That's a shame. It's a shame. You say, why? Because we are called by God to be the spiritual leaders and watchtowers of our home, and we're passing off our responsibility to somebody else. Now, listen, I'm not saying that our wives are not capable of handling something because they are. But I'm saying this, you, as the head of your home, are going to stand accountable before God. And I think it's your responsibility to set some powers up in your home. He didn't stop there, though. You see what else he did? He says he, he set some gates. He set some gates. I, I mean, I, I'm not talking about a little bitty gate either. I, I, I think it had something to do with a, with a major uh, iron gate or a big... A gate that was not easy to get through. You say, why? Because you want to keep the enemy out. I'm telling you, some families all across this nation are making it too easy for the devil to get into their lives. Paul says this, we know how the devil works. 
He says, lest the devil should get an advantage in our lives. And he's doing so because we're not taking fulfilling our responsibility to strengthen our hand for a good work and important task and build some things in our life that will keep the enemy out. Strengthen our hand for the important task it has to do with bowing ourselves to the will and word of God. It has to do with building some things in our life. But notice in verse number 8, chapter 14, Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000 out of Benjamin bare the shields and drew bows to hundred and four score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. There came out against him Zerah the Ethiopian with, with an host of a thousand thousand. That's a million. A thousand thousand. And three hundred chariots. And came uh, unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatha at Marisha. Listen. Talk about strength in our hands. There's sometimes we got to go to battle. I don't know about you, parents. You ever had something in your home and you say, no, we're not going to do this. And man, it's like you crush somebody's world and they begin to push back and fight back. Parents, I'm telling you something. You'd be wise to fight the battle. As long as it's a godly battle. You'd be wise to fight the battle. Why? Because if you give in one time, guess what? You'll give in another time. And another time. And before long, those in your own family are going to realize that, hey, you're not really consecrated and passionate about the things of God unless they fit into your schedule and what you think is right for you personally, not what God wants for your life. And I say, if you set the bar here, your children will probably only get up to here. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying you need to set some guards in your home because the devil is going to come. There's going to be some battles that you're going to have to fight. As the husband, as the, the parent, there's going to be some things that's going to try to come into your house to take away from the things of God and the spiritual uh, uh, instruction that you're trying to put into the hearts and minds of your children. And you're going to have to stand up and fight. Because if you put your arms down, the enemy will continue to push. And they will influence where you should have fought the battle to keep the influence out. There's battling. There's fighting. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, Thou, old man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight. That's what he tells Timothy. Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. I'm saying this, when you strengthen your hand for the important task, sometimes it means going to battle to keep the enemy out from what God's trying to do on the inside. Notice as we continue, chapter 15, verse 8. When Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage, watch this, 
and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from out Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if we're going to strengthen our hand for the important task, there's going to be some things that's going to have to be broken down in our lives. Listen, if you're honest, the Holy Spirit of God is probably already pointing His finger on some areas in your life that's not surrendered to Him. It is a stronghold that the adversary already has in your life. And if we're ever going to see the power of God take over, we're going to have to go through our own heart, go through our own homes, and say, you know what? This can't stay here. It's got to go. Time and time, got the New Testament Scriptures, we're told to cast off the things and the elements that are consistent with the old man, the old nature. To set them aside. I'll be the first to tell you that's not an easy process. Some of those things have gotten such a grasp and such a grip on our life, we don't want to let them go. It seems like no matter how hard we try, we, we begin to give it over to God, and before we know it, we're turning right back to that same thing, that same action, the same, that same uh, 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 choice. It's not going to be easy. But there are some things in our life that's going to have to be broken down. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because you want to get the toehold that the devil's got in your life out. There's some breaking down. God told Jeremiah, He said, I've set you for the plucking down and pulling down of some things. Yes, there's some things to build and set up, but there's some things to pluck down. And I would say in every home, there's some areas that we need to pull down. Areas that's already been given over as a stronghold to our adversary. I want you to notice in verse number four, or verse number nine of chapter five. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting, with trumpets and with cornets. See, when we talk about strengthening our hands, we must realize that there are some things that we must bind ourselves to. Here is literally what Asa and the kingdom of Judah was doing. They were making a commitment to God that they would seek Him, spend time with Him, and serve Him. Can I say this? 
if there's anything we lack in our current generation, it's a lack of commitment. People aren't committed to work. If you, if you own a business, you know that, don't you? If you're on the job site, you know that. People standing in the corners with their phones out all day and trying to get by with it so the boss doesn't see them fuss at them and hiding it real quick. People aren't committed to work anymore. People aren't committed to their wedding vows. People aren't committed to the Word of God. The will of God. We're in a day where people just don't feel like they're responsible or have to commit to anything. But you know what they did? They said we're going to make a commitment to God. We're going to seek the Lord. Now I'll say this. They didn't hold it too long. You're going to notice just two chapters, just a chapter over that King Asa is going to go back on that commitment. Take matters into his own hands. Not remain committed to the things of the Lord. Don't you notice what they did? They they made a commitment to their father. Speak of their heavenly father, God himself. They came to an altar, a place of prayer, and said, God, we're going to seek you. Now, I said, that's where it starts with you. They come to God. They said, God, I'm giving this to you. Who was there that day? Well, the Bible says that all Jew was there. So, so they didn't just make a commitment before their father, their heavenly father, but they also made a commitment before their family. Why is it that you that you open up at the end of the service for an invitation so you can make a commitment to God? Well, preacher, I can do that right here where, where nobody else will see me. Listen, the work of God is not to remain private in your life. Through what God is doing in your life, He wants to do a work in other people's lives. They made a commitment before their family. I'll say this. They made a commitment before their foe. What are you talking about? Well, they went and built this altar. They took all these animals. They began to offer these sacrifices. You know who was there watching? The devil. And here's what they're saying. They're saying to the devil, devil, we're giving this to God. It's not yours any longer. Now I say today, when we talk about strengthening our hands for an important task, it starts with a work on the inside. A difference made in our life. A bowing of ourselves. Yeah, there's some, some building that must take place. Walls and towers and gates and bars. There's some things that we've got to put in our life. There's some battles to be fought. Because there's going to be pushback. Anytime you try to do the right thing, there's always going to be pushback. There's going to be some things that must be broken down. Because all of us have areas that we're weak in. All of us have areas that the devil's already got a toehold in. But we're going to have to commit ourselves to the things of God. A binding of ourselves. To say this, God, I'll seek you. I'll spend time with you. I'll serve you. And I'll stay with you. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 7, I love this verse. It says, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be 
reward. Think of what you're saying. I'm saying if we follow this principle of strengthening our hands for the important task, it is that life that God himself will begin to do a powerful work through. His presence and power will show up and his purpose will be fulfilled all because hands were strengthened.